I just like cutting. I love to cut, and I want to move farther. I want to move farther in my career, not just cutting locals. I want to cut famous. everybody we are back on kenosha's most watched most listened podcast very special guest in the building today i got my good guy ken ken how you feeling tonight i'm feeling good i'm feeling good how are you man i'm actually hanging in there bro for the saturday we had that little snow i was a little bit scared i was like man we getting snow already it was like it was all bad bro yeah but what's up with you though tell me something good bro um pretty much about me i just like um my barber's career is going good i'm going good everything is going okay yeah um you are good. No, you are good. So obviously we got to start from the beginning anyway. So just tell us a little bit about where you come from. Where where, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents moved out here when I was about eight years old. Um, out they, where? Uh, to Kenosha. Okay. We moved to Kenosha so to stay out of trouble. My parents didn't want me in trouble in Chicago growing up in a rough neighborhood. So we moved, try to give myself a chance. Mm-hmm. How was it growing up in Kenosha for you? Kenosha was good. It was a lot of support from the coaches, a lot of support from like um, male male figures that used to. I didn't have my dad in my life, so it was kind of mm-hmm. like Bradford coaches. Like they was more like father figures rather than coaches to me. Yeah, um, a lot of people in the neighborhood just helped me grow up, helped me survive that um, what I was going through. Yeah, what area in Kenosha did you grow up? Uh, I do grow up on the north side um, by the Wilson Wilson Heights area. Don't uh, tell me the dirty thirties. <laughs> yeah, the dirty. 30s. Man, for I actually grew up in Wilson Heights area as well too, so I definitely know what it was like growing up. Just tell us a little bit about your time growing up in that area. Um, that area, it was kind of like for me, I was kind of going like absent from the area. But from the times that I was there, um, it was we was always just running the streets, just being bad. Um, but me, I kind of stayed like playing ball, like Limper Park, uh, right by Wilson School. Mm-hmm. I just kind of played ball. Ball was my, my drive. Yeah. It kept how, me out of trouble. How did you end up getting into basketball? Um, I just always played. My mom used to play ball back when she was pregnant with me. She used to play ball, and I can't live, oh, up, wow. that, live up that story. She always told really? me. Yeah. So I just kind of loved the game of basketball. It kind of kept me free. So whenever I was stressed at home, all the problems at home, I just played ball. Yeah. What type of kid would you say you were? Obviously, you talked about playing basketball. You're a good kid. I'm pretty sure you seem mm-hmm. like a really good young dude now what type of kid were you i think i was a i was a good kid i used to just i used to go to school do everything i had to do in school um particularly to learning like after school i would kind of be a little violent get in trouble with guys get in trouble with the guys have a little play fight or whatever but overall i was a good kid when it came to handling my business i used to handle it so yeah I just had to do everything on my own i felt like i was absent in that that father figure at a young age so yeah. i kind of needed it how would you say you avoided trouble? Because I'm pretty sure in an area like that, obviously the area we both grew up in, it was a poverty-stricken environment mm-hmm. flooded with drugs, gangbanging, activity like that. How would you say that you were able to zone out away from the trouble and everything like that? I guess I was able to zone out from the guys that was at school, the, the teachers that I met, the, everyone that was participating in those after-school activities. Uh, I just met some coaches, like some friendly people that actually like just – reached out with fatherhood that was more to me than I respected and like yeah. here and I listened so it kept me out of trouble at a young age and I never had to really worry about juvenile having to worry about any of those things oh my god was there any situations that you get, did get into any trouble run into any troubles with the law there um no not from Wilson Heights area when I was young I didn't really get in trouble and my trouble started when I was about 18 like oh no right after the season started like mm-hmm. I used to play ball in high school so Right after that, I just kind of got into some trouble. And oh. that trouble, I kind of didn't learn from it the first time. Oh, no. I, yeah, I didn't learn from it. 
So, because I was young, so what would you say contributed to you not learning from it? Is it was it because you were young, or you just weren't done living that lifestyle? What what would you say it was? I guess I just didn't know. Like a lot of day, a lot of times now, kids don't know what they want to be until they it take twenty five till you twenty five to actually know what you want to be, which yeah. is backwards. But I wasn't really taught to that you had to be something at a young age. Yeah. So I kind of had to figure out on my own. And your situation makes it a little bit harder as well, too, since you said you didn't have that father mm-hmm. figure in your life as well, too. And that's what that's what is detrimental to a lot of kids nowadays as well, too, not having proper guidance, like in-house guidance. Like mm-hmm. like you, you said, you had the coaches and everything like around you, but that's only from a certain time, if mm-hmm. you will, you know, because it's not like the coaches are going home with you, have yeah. to deal with the things that you see in the area that you live in as well, too. So I definitely feel you. And like you said, it does take a lot of us a little bit longer to really learn from it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So you said you were 18 when you stumbled across your first issue. Mm-hmm. Did you have to go away for any of that or anything like that? Yeah, or when, I was, when I was 18, I just, I did like two months. It was just for like a disorderly between uh, me and my old girlfriend, disorderly. But when then I learned my lesson, um, about two years later, I got into some deep trouble. Oh, um, no. I graduated school. I did everything I had to do, but I had no path. So, I kind of didn't start college. I kind of didn't start right off to doing what I wanted to do, like leisure time. Yeah. So when I figured out, I ended up getting into some trouble, and I ended up going away for five years. Dang. Which five. I think that I needed. I really needed for me to grow up, for me to get this um, patience that I have, and mm-hmm. to be determined like I am. Like, jail just kind of woke me up and broke me in at the same time. Like, now, as I've been getting out now, I needed that jail experience because now I'm doing good. Yeah. No. What was it like for those people who've never been to jail or anything like that? Just tell us a little bit about what it was like for you. For me, like so many people comfortable with being in jail. So many, so many males, they just, I don't know, they get the call for home. They get to do everything that they want to do in jail. They get to be somebody. Yeah. But for me, I sat back. I actually read books. I actually just thought about my life as a whole. Like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And barbering was something that I can fall back on. It's like, I need something that's going to um, make me some money and keep me out of trouble. Yes, sir. Because you get, in Wisconsin, you get a lot of papers. Yeah. Um, one mess up and you're back. Anybody can say you did anything and you're going back to jail. Yeah. So ninety, it's a 90% chance that everyone goes back to jail that's on papers. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. yes. Oh. So I'm trying to I'm trying to beat the odds. And if yeah. I can beat the odds, I really prove something to myself that I can stay out of prison. So yeah. I'm grown. I'm just looking for me an opportunity to... To prosper. I want to do better in my life, and I'm going to do better. Yes, sir. Now, me knowing you personally, I know that you have a son. Did you have your son before you went to jail yes, or after? I, I had my son before. My son was actually six months. So during that incarceration, my son used to always come and see me. But the hard part was just telling my son that I'm coming home soon. Or telling, trying to explain to my son, like, why did I do this such such an act or but now I'm kind of past that. I know I miss days of my son's life, but now it's about what I can show him, yeah. what I can give him from my experience. And I can give him a lot because I learned a lot. Yes, sir. And I see you growing every day, man. I'm actually very proud of the father that you are. Like, not many people have that. And like we were just talking mm-hmm. about, not many people have that father figure in their life that's going to be there. Because a lot of people that I know, they'll talk to me. They say, my dad was kind of there, but then he kind of wasn't. And I'll say, well, what do you mean? They say, well, it kind of was a revolving door when mm-hmm. he was in my life. He'll come and then he'll go. He'll come and then he'll go. And that's really not fathering, you know. Mm-hmm. But as a man like you, you're there. That really means a lot just seeing me. I got a question. Is it... What is it that our fathers was never there? So should we make excuses that our father went there or could we or that we didn't learn from a young age? See, now, I'm so glad you asked that question, my guy. 
um, a lot of people will harp on what they didn't have, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I look at it like, well, I'm a grown man now, so I really can't dwell on what I didn't have, you know? Because if you think about what you didn't have, what does that really do, you know? Mm -hmm. Some people use it as esteem to motivate them. Some people use it as that anchor that weighs them down, and they allow themselves to fall victim and to fall into that path of not being anything or doing anything productive because of their circumstances. Mm -hmm. People like me and you, we use our circumstances as that gateway to be something better. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally feel like you can use it as an excuse, but you should not use it as an excuse because at the end of the day, you have to be your own person as you get older, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you got started with barbering? Cause I noticed you're a very prominent barber in the area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who gave me this um, crisp cut over here right now. I started on my little brothers before, like, um, for my incarceration about okay, when I was so about you 15. Before? So okay. I started before, but I actually wasn't that good. So I just used to be just learning, just practicing on yeah. my little brothers. But it paid off because when I got the incarceration, I just started being a barber. I started, I find something that I love. I found something that I love to do. And right now I'm just trying to take the barber, my barbering career to another level. Like, mm -hmm. I want to be cutting a famous people's head. I want to be cutting everybody's head that's doing something, the business owner, because barbering, you can learn something from everybody. Yes, sir. Everybody sits in your chair to know something different. You can learn something from everybody every day. And I'm a people's person. I like talking. I like communication. I like I like that aspect of barbering, such as rather than just using my tools and just doing what I do. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know, I just love it. And that's what people, that's what attracts people to me is the passion that I got for barbering because a lot of barbers don't have it. Um, I'm the barber that's getting up five in the morning. If you want to cut, I treat it like a career rather than a job. Yeah. So I, don't, I just love it, man. Did you get to um, be a barber while you were incarcerated? Yeah, I got to be a barber while I was incarcerated. So I actually tighten up my skills my skills got tight it was a guy that kind of taught me um how to cut how to do everything that i do and once i started to fall into it trying to learn the craft is better and i found it i found my touch i found what i want to be not what i want to be but the area i want to start in yeah. it's not just about barbering to me it's farther than that like once i open my own business i can feel like i can get back to my community i feel like i can do more so right now i'm striving behind the chair just so i can do a lot for mm -hmm. my community or for myself for my little brothers i got so many people that's looking up to me as a role model so and this is what i can give them for now so many people jump too fast in their life and they want to just oh i'm just going to be this no you gotta take it step by step so right now it's my first year being out of jail so yeah. i'm doing good i'm made it into a barbershop i started out my house and i made it into a barbershop and now i'm about to start school to get my barber license so and what barbershop can those at home find you at if they want to get a cut from you yeah if you want to get a cut you can find me at regiment barber collective um, my page is Kendrick Daniels, Kendrick Daniels on Facebook. If you can type that in, you can book an appointment. Um, just try to find try to find one of those two ways. Regiment Barber Collective is in Kenosha on 52nd. Um, just stop in, ask for Ken. Yes, sir. Now, looking back on it, obviously, you have to have some sort of motivation while you're incarcerated. Were there any was excuse me? Was there anything that you were telling yourself every day, knowing that you had to sit in there for five years? Yes. I told myself that I would never let put myself back in the same position because Every day when your son is just, he needs you, I didn't have a dad. So it's no excuse no more. It's no excuse why I'm in jail. It's no excuse why I did the crime that I did. Only excuse I have is, only thing that I want to say is I want to do better for my son. So it kind of motivated me every day to not play cards in jail, not get comfortable with the things that they want to give you, these tablets that they give you in prison, these other things that they give you to be comfortable. But I don't want that. Yeah. I just want to be, overall, just me driving me to, driving me to be me is a good dad. And my son, he actually loves that. Yeah. And for this whole year, 
It's the only thing that kind of made me happy, keep me saying this song. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about the feeling of no, like, obviously, before you get there, you have to go there. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about the feeling of knowing that you're going to be in there for five years? Because that's an extremely long time, you know, because mm-hmm. there, there's times where, let's just say you go, like, camping or something like that, and you're just away from everything you love, and you're only there for a day or two, and you're just like, man, this is prison. I've caught myself saying that, too. I was like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in jail right now. I'm, like, away from my iPhone. I'm away from, like, those things that make me comfortable in the outside world. So can you just tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what that was like? To, to be perfectly honest, it was kind of, it was all new to me. So I just, I was so stressful in the beginning of my bid. It was just like, how can I do this? Like, how can I be strong enough to sustain what they got this punishment, you know? Because I felt like I was over-sentenced. I felt like the justice system plays a different way on you. So we're not further, not trying to go all into that. But I did my crime and I want to do my time. But I just felt like it played, like some people can go in there, they can have a nice lawyer and they can get out from whatever they they did. Mm -hmm. But see me, I took a plea, I took my took my charges, oh, I did this, and I want to be set down for it because I needed to be. Mm-hmm. But to, throughout the bid, it was hard. It was hard for me to just try to stay every day sane, but I had to because I had somebody out there that was waiting and depending on me. Yes, if sir. you break down under the under those circumstances, who could you be? Mentally, you got to be more stronger mentally, and that's how I beat a lot of people at what I do because I'm more mentally I'm more mentally fit yeah. than a lot of people. If you can be mentally, I can. it don't matter if you keep me in a room, in a box, if you more mentally prepared, I'm more mentally prepared for tomorrow. Like, I'm going to think of something that's going to keep me sane and keep me humble, keep me going in the direction that I need to go. Yeah. Now, with you saying that, obviously, you've done prison time and everything like mm-hmm. that. Now, have you ever had anyone try to judge you off of the mistakes that you've made? Yes. A lot of people judge you off the mistakes that you make. Like, any mistake that you do after that, like, right now that I'm out of prison, any mistake that I do, any um, thing that I do, oh, he's a convict or he's this. But me i just don't listen to that you can't give them give them a reason to put you that way everything that people are gonna see of me is doing better i'm gonna prosper like when you see me oh this guy's staying out of jail this guy's doing something good he's doing something different which i am yeah if it's an opportunity presents itself and i'm able to somebody's able to give me an opportunity and something that i like i'm gonna take it mm-hmm. and i'm gonna excel in it yeah what would be your piece of advice for those that don't know you like if, if there's a one-liner you could say about yourself to make them separate you as a person from the mistakes that you've made in your life? Um, I guess I would say I work harder than a lot of people to be where I'm at. Yeah. My circumstances was never good, but I work, I work hard. Yeah. I work hard to be where I'm at. Like, and I love what I do now. So it's kind of keep me out of trouble. Like I'm afraid to go to jail. I'm yeah. not that tough guy that <laughs> <laughs> wants to go to jail. Like I'm afraid to go to jail. I'm not that guy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can I can be better. That's just me. It's my motto. It's my motto. Like, we can be better. Yeah. I can do better. We can do better. Yes, sir. Now, we don't have to get too detailed or detail-oriented or graphic with it, but was there anything ever anything in there that you ever saw that you was like, dang, that's kind of scary? And I'll say this to say this. Like, I know someone who's done time and everything like that, mm-hmm. and they say, man, people want to go in there with that impression that they're super tough, but this isn't to, like, make you cool or anything like that. There's stuff in there that's literally scary and it's okay for you to acknowledge the fact that you're scared because mm. he said that there were people who were like, man, you saw so-and-so get stabbed up or whatever like that. He said, man, I ain't gonna lie. I'm scared right now. <laughs> and he said, it is kind of funny, but it's not funny at the same time because it's so honest that he was like, nah, I'm scared right now. I'm not in here to be some gladiator or anything like that. I'm scared. Like, mm-hmm. was there anything that you've ever seen or experienced in there that you were like, that's kind of scary. That's I not say, normal. Yeah, not normal is like, you wouldn't imagine how many people try to commit suicide when they're in prison. 
Yeah. Like they would have um, somebody that's got 20 years left in the minimum in a cell with me that's got a year left, you know? Yeah. So these people, like, they want to hang themselves. They want to kill themselves. They don't want to do the time. They lose their girlfriend. They lose their people. The most scariest thing is that them killing themselves, like, right there in front of you, like, right there. Yeah. Like, I I was in the cell with somebody that tried to hang itself. Like That's not normal, right? It's not normal, you know? Yeah. That's when I know, like... Like you gotta be mentally, you gotta be mentally fit for this. Like it's like a job. If you get in trouble, you a criminal. You get in trouble, you gotta know that jail's coming with it. Yeah, you can't try to kill yourself. You know, later. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's just it, funny it, how you said it. Yeah, though. it makes sense. But a lot of people try to kill themselves. They try to get away from the system. The yeah. system is rigged. The system is the way it is. But at the same time, when you do a crime, it's it's still a punishment. You know, yeah. the system is not fair. Yeah, so, but people think that they can't get caught, and they yeah. think that that life is what it's all meant to be out. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get ready to close out, what type of advice would you give to those young, the younger generation, people who were once in your shoes, to lead them away from that path? I say find find what you want to be in life. If you don't find what you want to be in life by the time you get eighteen, leisure time turn into play. I don't so know. Really find what you want to do in life. Um, Stay away from the crowd that your parents really tell you to be away from. Like, son, you should be here. Like, starting school. High school is high school is the start, but getting enrolled into college, doing college things, you don't have to go to college, but you just as long as you stay out the stay out of trouble. Like, don't be fighting, don't be shooting guns. Put the guns down. It's so popular to have a gun these days. Yeah. So But how I do just, we get I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But how do we get away from oh man, what you doing over there? That's lame. Like me personally. I loved comic books and mm-hmm. skateboarding and stuff like growing up. I would get those people, man, that's lame. Like, that ain't going to get you no girls or that, that's not going to get you that. How, how do we get away from that, though, if we have people constantly in our face who are saying, no, this is the right way. This is cool. And this is what we do. What you're doing over there is lame. How do we get that if we're so young so young and impressionable? How do we mm-hmm. get away from that? And you get there because you got to treat your life like you are grown. I don't care if you're 15, 14. It's your life. You're still in control of it. Don't let nobody peer pressure you into something that you don't want to do. Yeah. If reading comic books is something that I want to do, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my problem when I was young. I didn't think like that. Yeah. I should think like that. Like, it's my life. It's no excuse that you're 13 and you made this crazy decision. Like, you got to think like you're older. Yeah. It's your life. Yeah. Now, we'll just ask a couple more questions. But what would you say was your biggest mistake? My biggest mistake was getting in trouble. Yeah. I could have been... I love the game of basketball. I could have been been actually somewhere like in college or at least in a better position in life than I am now. Yeah. I'm not complaining, but yeah. Are you a believer in God? Yes, I'm a believer in God. God definitely, and people say it sucks to say this, but he definitely puts us in those positions that gives us that wake-up call or just that extra kick in the behind that we do need. And I'm not necessarily saying going to prison or jail I was that, but sometimes the wake-up calls that he does give us we we ignore them, you know, mm-hmm. like we'll see, oh, this riot said they can't pick me up to go to this party or whatever like that. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, let me go here, do homework or whatever the case may be. So instead, man, I'm walking to the party or, hey, I'm calling someone else to get in, you know. So yeah. the, the signs that we he does give us isn't what, what we should take. But then my next question was, too, like, where can you see yourself being at in the next five years, which you're barbering? Uh, in the next five years, in the next year and a half, um, I want to be opening up my own shop. So it's not about one shop. It's just that one shop is going to give me that sincerity that I need. Like, I accomplished something, you know? Yeah. Like, that's a first. Like, getting my license and then getting my business. I feel like I can leave something for my son. So in the next five years, I want to have at least two shops. Like, two shops open. Like, continue expanding. Because barbershops can be 
it's, it's it's better when you put it in the communities. It's better. You can talk to the kids. You can influence the kids. You can do a lot of different things with your barbershop. This is just about what's your goal for the shop, like your mission statement. You know. Yes, sir. And as someone who gets to speak with you on an intellectual level all the time, from us just being able to hang out at the shop and everything like that, I can definitely see that happening. Just your drive and the intellect that you have at your at such a young age that you are at. I can definitely see you accomplishing that, even Thank if it's before the next five years. I, I can definitely see you putting all the right plans into place because I just see that you're built different. And like you said, you're more mentally prepared than most people. So I, I wish you all the luck, and I really hope God blesses you with that as well too, sir. Yeah, thank you. That being said, sir, we just wrapped up another episode of Line <laughs> for Line. My guy, I appreciate you for sliding through. Yeah. You calling or you listening, tune in every week. Line for Line. Oh, yeah, I'm going Line for Line.